is going on, true crime fans? I'm your host, Teeth. And I'm your host, Daphne. And you're listening to Going West. Hello, everybody. Happy Valentine's Day if you're listening on the day of. Yes, happy V-Day. Um, and thank you so much to Brandon for recommending this case. This case is freaking nuts. Yeah, I mean, the details of this case are just... They're, they're really conflicting, and there's probably a lot of different uh, opinions and on this it's case. it's bizarre. It's so bizarre. So thanks again, Brandon, for putting this on our radar, and we're going to get right into this one. All right, guys, this is episode 279 of Going West, so let's get into it. Dreaming of a better sleep? Tossing and turning is not your destiny. And Ollie is here to help. Ollie invites you to sink into sweet, sweet slumber to improve your mental and physical health and overall wellness. More than just melatonin, Ollie's ingredients help you unwind your mind for a delightfully dreamy drift off. Sleep is on the way at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. In January of 2017, the body of a 24-year-old man was found naked at the bottom of a cliff in a state park in Maryland. Although his girlfriend claims he died from the injuries he sustained in the fall, an autopsy revealed his throat had been slit multiple times. As baffling details emerged, she became investigators' number one suspect. This is the story of Alexander Stevens. Alexander Arthur Stevens, known by most as Alex, was born on March 23, 1992 in Allegheny County, Maryland. His parents, Janet and Jay, actually welcomed twins, Alex and his sister, Tristan, who was born one minute later, which is how far apart I am from my twin, too. The family attended their local Methodist church, where Alex's dad, Jay, sang in the choir and performed in the handbell chorus, as well as the wind ensemble. Jay passed this passion down to Alex, who was gifted with a strong baritone singing voice. While in high school, Alex was very active in his school's theater department, starring as Sky Masterson in Guys and Dolls and the Pirate King in Pirates of Penzance. He also sang in his school's concert choir and played in band, marching band, and jazz orchestra. Alex's father, Jay, also passed down his love of travel, instilling in his children the importance of immersing themselves in other cultures, which is so awesome. So Alex really just enjoyed, you know, different trips all over Europe and parts of Asia with his family while he was growing up. In addition to performing arts, he loved using visual arts as an outlet, and he was also a very gifted athlete. 
when he wasn't performing, he competed on his school's football, basketball, track, and cross-country teams. Before graduation, he spent the summer completing a study abroad program at the University of Cambridge in Cambridge, England. And in his limited free time, he loved to take advantage of the very rich natural beauty and just lush wildlife that the area had to offer. His hometown of Frostburg, again in Maryland, is just a short drive away from the state lines of Pennsylvania and West Virginia, and it boasts multiple nearby state parks, hundreds of hiking trails, and the Allegheny Mountains. Alex took great pleasure in spending outdoor time recharging with his family, doing things like stargazing, camping, rock climbing, and hiking. So they were just really big into the outdoors, and they spent a lot of time doing that together. And Alex even worked as a lifeguard in the summers to spend more time outside. His family remembers his gentle, sensitive nature and that he doted on their family pets and his beloved twin sister. A lifelong member of the Boy Scouts, he reached the highest level of Eagle Scout. At his graduation from Mountain Ridge High School in 2010, he delivered the senior address to his class. And after graduation, Alex went on to attend the Coast Guard Academy in New London, Connecticut, studying engineering. While serving at the academy, he continued to indulge in his love of music, and he sang in the Glee Club. But in 2013, so three years into his training, Alex found himself in the middle of a massive controversy when he was accused of assaulting a female student. A female cadet came forward and said that Alex had gone into her room when she was sleeping and standing above her as she slept, reached under the blanket to grab her thigh. Now, the Academy took this accusation very seriously. I mean, as they should, but Alex claimed that this was just a misunderstanding. He had been seeing another female cadet at the time and alleged that it was late and that he had been drunk and then stumbled into the wrong room, mistaking the student for his girlfriend. Now, while there were no criminal charges leveled against Alex, he was dismissed from the Academy following his actions. His father, Jay, believed his son's account, that it was a misunderstanding, explaining, quote, The academy is the only place that Alex wanted to go to college. Every September, they change rooms. His girlfriend had been in that room, only it was someone else. He turned himself in because of the honor code. Now, obviously, we don't know exactly what happened here, but we wanted to mention it because it is a part of the story as a whole. But this is definitely a very sensitive thing to discuss since we don't know every detail. So we're just explaining what we do know, which is what the school said and what his parents said, because that's all we can go off of. So that's what we're doing here. So Alex was less than a year away from graduating when he left or was dismissed. And according to his dad, Jay, the sentence or the sequence of events really devastated him. Jay said his son was never the same after that, saying, quote, I think it just hurt him so bad. But his mom remembered that despite this whole situation, Alex always tried to do the right thing. She said, quote, he worked to rectify bad or wrong situations. But it was hard to ignore his new behaviors. He grew his hair out much longer than its usual crew cut. He withdrew from his normally active social, academic, and athletic life. Jay said this of his son, quote, He was reading about religions, thinking about his place in society. But when asked if Alex had thought about taking his own life, Jay said no. Quote, I never, never, ever, ever thought that he was suicidal. 
I know my son. He had all these plans to do big things. According to Jay, he was looking excitedly to the future despite the detour he had taken. Alex moved back home to Frostburg, Maryland, and began attending Frostburg State University to finish up his degree, majoring in materials engineering and economics. There was a definite shift in Alex after leaving the Coast Guard Academy, though not necessarily for the worse. But he did seem to be taking a new approach to his relationship with himself and those around him. He even marked this realization with a life event announcement on Facebook, and he wrote, quote, After intoxicating my life with doubt, I filled the void in my soul with horrible things. On this day, February 3rd, 2016, I realized that what I needed was now what I wanted, a healthy and loving lifestyle with prosperous relationships between me and every other human being and living creature. After this day, it has been understandably difficult for those around me to accept these changes, but in time, all will discern that I mean them no ill will and only want to pursue my passions and dreams for the betterment of myself and everyone around me. Please accept me for who I've become, because I guarantee that this man is millions of times better than the child you knew before. He also posted a touching tribute to his mom and his twin sister saying, quote, To Janet and Tristan, the women I've spent a majority of my infinitesimally small life with thus far, I say thank you. Thank you for preserving and being such strong role models for women in this bigoted world. Thank you for showing me that limitations inflicted by the world, society, peers, loved ones, and even myself are fallacies, and that worth is self-defined. Thank you for being women, and thank you for embracing it. I love you with all of my heart, for who you are, and who you have allowed me to become as a truly empathetic man. Feminism is not just for women. Just two weeks before his death, Christmas 2016, Alex was pictured attending Christmas Eve church services, beaming alongside his parents and his twin sister. His last update was from New Year's Eve of 2016, which read, quote, Try thinking less and feeling more. It was at his new school, Frostburg State University, like I said before, where he met fellow student 20-year-old Megan Schaefer. Some reports refer to Megan as just a friend or a close friend, but it was most widely reported that the two had been dating. One friend of Alex's claimed that they dated in the past, but had decided to become just friends, and Megan's Facebook status was set to single. So we may never know the exact nature of their relationship, but I think this gives us a pretty good idea. Megan grew up in Ridgely, West Virginia, attended Frankfurt High School, and moved to Maryland to begin studying at Frostburg State University, majoring in business administration. And in addition to her studies, she worked at a Bath and Body Works. On January 3rd, 2017, Alex and Megan went for a hike. What initially appeared to be an accident turned out to be the start of a twisted investigation that would land Megan in jail. But let's go back a bit. On the morning of January 4th, 2017, around 7.30 a.m., police received a 911 call from a home in a remote part of the Savage River State Forest asking for help after a hike had gone wrong. 20-year-old Megan Schaefer was calling to say that her boyfriend, Alex Stevens, was still missing in the forest somewhere and likely fatally wounded. 
She told them that she herself had been severely hurt and was hypothermic. The temperature that night had been around 30 degrees Fahrenheit, so below freezing, and it had been raining. So it does not seem like the best uh, time to go for a hike. Yeah, I mean, it, it makes us wonder why they did and what the story behind that is, because obviously this is just horrible weather to go out and do this, just very dangerous. So in the chilling 911 call, the operator asked Megan, where is Alex? To which Megan responded, he's still in the woods. When asked if she thought he was okay, Megan replied flatly, no, I believe he is dead. When pressed for information, the operator learned that Megan and Alex had set out for a hike the evening prior, headed toward High Rock in the Savage River State Forest. The High Rock hike is a moderately difficult two-mile loop hike to a beautiful overlook with a very steep decline. Megan claims they had both taken their clothes off and walked to the edge of the cliffs of High Rock. One or both of them had fallen over 30 feet below, and Megan said she had no recollection of what happened next. When police and emergency services reached Megan, they found her naked, chilled to the bone and hypothermic with a broken shoulder and back injuries. She was lying on a couch covered in a blanket in the home that she had broken into. Megan said that she had been wandering the woods for upwards of 12 hours seeking help. She came across a home on Pine Swamp Road that was empty, but was able to get the basement door open and used a phone inside to call for help. So let's break this down real quick before we move on, because this is a lot of information that we have to digest here. So basically, the two are out hiking, it's raining, it's cold, it's freezing, and they take their clothes off and get completely naked, the both of them. And actually, I feel like we talked about that in a previous episode, because we know that like very like severely hypothermic people are sometimes known to take their clothes off um, because sometimes it's almost like if you're about to freeze to death, you have this state where you almost get too warm. Right, like you're so cold that your body starts getting hot. Right, even though you're not actually hot. Right, yeah. So that could explain that, right? But then, yeah, then we have her calling 911. She is in a house that she broke into because she's freezing to death. And she's saying that Alex is still in the woods. Now, before we keep talking, Heath, I think we should play a part of the 911 call because it's one thing for us to tell you what it says and another thing to actually hear it. We do want to mention that it's very hard to understand Megan and we have to remember that she is suffering from hypothermia. That's probably why she is not speaking very clearly or enunciating her voice. Um, So the 911 operator is kind of repeating what she's saying that makes it a little easier right but also it's because people you know say that she is a very petite uh woman so she's she's like um she's smaller than five foot tall and so she she does have like a bit of a higher voice some people say that it's kind of mousy sounding not to be rude or anything but that's how they described it so maybe it's it's like that anyway and right. maybe harder to discern over the phone but the hypothermia doesn't help so we're gonna play a few minutes of that call now so here we go was there anybody else with you that was lost there's nobody there there was one other 
nail. Okay. Are you hurt or injured? Do you need an ambulance? I need an ambulance. Okay. Where's the other person that was with you? I'm still in the woods. Oh, we're out in the woods. Do you know? I don't believe you. Okay. Just stay on the phone with me. I'm going to get some information, okay? Can I sit down? Yeah, sit down on the front porch or sit down somewhere there and, and, and wait for it. We're going to wait until you get I'm in the couch. Are you inside the house now? Yeah, yeah. Okay, do you, are you sure there's no one there? Yes. Okay, I don't, because I mean, do you know whose home that is? No. Okay. I just found it and needed to call someone. Okay, and you went in and got the phone? Yeah. Okay. Do you know what that... Okay. Just stay on the phone. I'm not going to hang up with you until the until you we get some uh, officers out there with you. Okay. I need How you. To, long? Uh, they're going to be there shortly. They're looking for you. They've been looking for you all night. Okay. Just. Okay. I need you to do one thing. I need you to make sure there's no one in the house that may hurt you if you wake if uh, if they come out and find you. I need you to holler and, or make sure there's no one there because I don't want. Just. Okay, is there anyone answering you? No. Just tell them you need help. I need help. Okay. Okay. So, are, what, what, are you injured or are you just you just need an ambulance because of your, are you cold? Both. You're cold? Both. Both. Are, what, how are you injured? I think I have some broken bones. Okay, what happened? I fell off a cliff. Okay, you fell off a cliff? Yeah. Okay. Is the other, what, what's your name? Megan. Megan? What's your last name, Megan? Schaefer. Megan Schaefer, okay. Megan Schaefer. Okay, Megan, just stay on the phone. Where's so? Where's the other person that you were with? What's his name? Alex. Alex what? Stevens. Alex Stevens. And where is Alex? He's still in the woods. Okay. Was he okay? No. Is, is he is he hurt or is he? I believe he's dead. You think he's dead? Yes. Well, what? Did you both fall off the cliff? Okay, 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 just stay on the phone with me. Okay, just, okay, I'm, I'm going to get, I'm, I'm getting you an ambulance started too, okay? Please do. The officers are on their way. I'm hurt so bad. How old are you? I'm 20 years old. Fell off a cliff? Yeah. Okay. So we need to send the fire department down there too, probably. Yeah, I'm going to. I would. Okay. Okay. I'm, like I said, I'm not. I'm just going to get some. Ask you some questions. I'm going to stay on the phone with you until the officers get there. Okay. When did you fall? Last night. Last night. Okay. Yeah. Is there any serious bleeding? No, yeah, I'm bleeding deeply. Okay. Okay, what part of the body is injured? Um, I, I'm not sure. You're not sure? Okay. It's fucking hurt. Okay. All right, we're sending the paramedic. Just, just sit down there and don't move unless absolutely necessary, okay? 
don't eat or drink anything, okay? Just just sit still and wait for help to arrive, okay? And and you're you're sure that Alex wasn't able to move? Yes. Okay. Okay. Just uh just stay on the line. I'm gonna I'm gonna mute my mic, but I'm gonna be able to hear you. I'm gonna dispatch an ambulance, okay? Okay. I'm still here. Okay. All right, so that kind of better explains how we described it, because I told you guys she had flatly said that she believes that Alex is dead. Now you kinda know why. And, uh, and yeah, they're still, uh, while on this phone call, on this particular part of it, they're still trying to find Alex, but at least they can find Megan and then kind of go from there. Yeah, and what's also really interesting is just going back for just a second, when we were talking about the possibility of, like, taking your clothes off during hypothermia, there's also some really weird details that are coming up that may also explain why they had taken their clothes off, but we're going to get into that. Yeah, I mean, it's just going to get so much weirder. Yes, it definitely is. So about two hours later, a Maryland State Police helicopter spotted Alex lying face down in the water of a drainage ditch about a mile and a half or a little over two kilometers from the base of the lookout that he had supposedly fallen from. Now, he was pronounced dead immediately. But here's the really strange part. His throat had been slashed multiple times. A knife with a seven-inch blade was found near his head in the water. He, like Megan, was also naked. And that morning, Megan's story changed constantly. She couldn't seem to clarify if they had jumped purposefully, fallen due to an accident or a struggle between the two of them, or if they had been climbing down and simply tripped. So while being transported to the hospital, which took about 40 minutes, she explained her account of the events of the night before, but her story was a bit different each time. Initially, she claimed that Alex had survived the fall and been able to get up and walk away, but that he fell to the ground later in their journey, and then he died there. Then, she claimed that he had fallen onto his knife and died there. Fallen onto his knife? Yeah, no. And when we get into the details, you'll understand why I say no. Then, she changed her story again, and said that they had reached the water in which he was found, and he concluded that he wanted to kill himself, which he wound up doing there, where he was located by police the following morning. Now, according to the paramedic with whom she was speaking, Megan said, quote, This is probably not going to look good, but when they find the knife, my handprints will be on the knife. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment, no maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth sculpted look with Juvederm Volix XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com.
Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you are allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medications that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, just visit Juvederm.com. Looking to save on delivery? DashPass is your door to $0 delivery fees and more on DoorDash. And right now, using code GOINGWEST24, you can get 50% off up to $10 value when you spend $12 or more after signing up for DashPass. Subject to change, terms apply. Daphne and I use DoorDash constantly to order lunch or dinner or even groceries. And that's why we love using our DashPass, because it's the most affordable way to get anything in your area delivered right to your door. I mean, come on. DashPass pays for itself in two orders on average, making delivery even more worth it. And that's why we use it so often. And it also gives you special access to exclusive promotions and member-only menu items, all for just $9.99 a month. Get more from delivery for less. Sign up for DashPass today, only on DoorDash. Use code GOINGWEST24 to get 50% off up to a $10 value when you spend $12 or more after signing up for DashPass. Subject to change, terms apply. My absolute favorite app is Audible, because not only do they have thousands of incredible podcasts, including ours, but they also have an incredible selection of audiobooks across every genre. Like from celebrity memoirs, to motivation, to business, to my favorite, mysteries and thrillers. Audible really is the destination for thrilling audio entertainment with highly anticipated new releases that can include eerie soundscapes, captivating sound design, and dynamic performances. And as an Audible member, you can choose one title a month to keep from their entire catalog, including the latest bestsellers and new releases. Right now, I'm listening to this unputdownable thriller fiction called Just Another Missing Person by Jillian McAllister, which I think you guys would love. To try Audible free for 30 days, visit audible.com slash going west or text going west to 500 500. That's audible.com slash going west or text going west to 500 500 to try Audible free for 30 days.
All right, before that quick break, Heath let us know that Alex was found at the bottom of a cliff with multiple slash wounds to his neck. And Megan's story is changing a lot. But one of the most alarming things that he told us is that Megan said to the paramedics, quote, this is probably not going to look good, but when you find the knife, my handprints will be on the knife. And then after this, the paramedics uh, notified law enforcement that they should meet Megan at the hospital because they heard that and they're saying, okay, yeah, the police are going to want to talk to you. We've got a situation here. So Megan sustained frostbite as well as a broken shoulder and severe back injuries. Between January 4th, 2017, when she was taken to the hospital to be treated for her injuries, and two days later, January 6th, when she had been discharged, she was interviewed by police three separate times. In her first interview, Megan explained that she and Alex had gone up to the cliff to take part in what she called a cleansing of some type. And this is where we're getting into some strange details here. Yes, we are. So she remembered that she and Alex had disrobed and walked to the edge of the cliffs at High Rock, or High Rock sorry, when they had slipped and fallen to the base of the cliff due to the rain. So she's saying they got naked and they both just happened to slip off a cliff. Megan explained that they laid there in excruciating pain for a while before they attempted to walk and seek help. At some point on their journey, she said Alex slit his own throat. Megan denied having anything to do with his death and that she had no intent to hurt or kill herself. The second time she spoke with investigators, she maintained her original story that they had slipped and fallen and that Alex was in pain from his injuries from the fall and that he had slit his own throat to put himself out of his misery. The next time she was interviewed, though, her statement changed significantly. This time, Megan remembered that Alex had actually pulled her down with him, like off the cliff, holding her hand around his hand against the knife at his throat as they fell to the depths below the cliff. She explained that while holding her hand over the knife, Alex slit his own throat multiple times. I just... I, that detail just doesn't get less weird because she is, you know, obviously she's changing her story a lot, but now she's saying he made me slit his throat with him, like his own throat. Yeah, it's just so strange. So this time she indicated that he may have intended to kill himself when he jumped off the cliff and that he had simply brought her along for support. However... An autopsy was quick to poke holes in many of Megan's theories because Alex had sustained at least seven swipes of the blade across his throat in what the medical examiner described as a sawing motion. Yeah, a sawing motion. That's the one detail that just really gets me. Well, actually, also, they were so forceful that they had severed his carotid artery and his jugular vein and had even nicked the bone in his spinal column. Like, that's how deep this knife went into his neck. He also had broken ribs and a punctured lung. So obviously, wading through these inconsistencies in Megan's account, doubt really crept into the minds of investigators. On the evening of January 3rd, after not having heard from her brother, Tristan grew very worried and texted Alex's middle school best friend, Steven, 
asking if he had seen or heard from Alex, but Stephen hadn't. Concerned, he decided to set out looking for him on his own. Stephen decided to check some of the places that the friends had frequented together, one of which was High Rock. At the base of the trail, Stephen found Alex's car, which had been left with the hood open. The entire body of the vehicle had been drenched with a chemical substance, which was possibly motor oil, a bottle of which was found on the roof of the car. It was parked next to a car Stephen didn't recognize. This was later identified as Megan's car. So after walking the trail for about a mile, or 1.6 kilometers, in the pitch black and rain, using only his cell phone flashlight to guide him, Alex's friends stumbled upon a series of strange discoveries. Alex's beloved cat, Sibylla, had apparently been left in a pet carrier near the end of the trail. He had only recently gotten this cat, posting a new profile picture with his fluffy green-eyed black cat perched upon his shoulders while he drove. The caption read, quote, Meet Sibylla. And actually, that particular picture is the one that was used most widely in press releases and articles about Alex's case because he looked very different than he used to, no longer the clean-cut young student that he appeared to be at the academy. So this led some to believe that he had, in fact, been engaging in some sort of ritual, starting his life anew or ending it on purpose after the sacrifice of himself and his animals. Now, near this carrier that was containing the cat there were burned down candles that looked as if they had been lit for hours. So when I said that these details are gonna get really strange, now we know that there is a cat and a pet carrier and there's melted candles situated along the trail. I mean, that's just so damn weird. It just, yeah, it's just totally insane. So there was a backpack that had also appeared to be covered in an oily substance and contained clothing. Now inside, Stephen noted women's underwear and a pair of jeans, glasses, and a belt that Stephen recognized as Alex's. Also, can we just talk about how crazy this is that his, like one of his best friends is the one that happened to discover all this? Yeah, it's, that's that to me is, I mean, that's a really good friend for going out there and looking for Alex, but also for, for Stephen to go and stumble upon all these really strange clues, that must have been horrifying. But also just weird that he happened to find it before police, not saying that it's suspicious, but it, it, it is just weird that somebody that didn't have any idea where Alex was and just presumed he would be here stumbled upon all this stuff. Right. But it gets even stranger because right next to the backpack was another bottle of motor oil, also Sibylla's collar and drenched bath towels. Stephen tried to look for Alex, but couldn't see anything off the edge of the lookout. So he texted Alex, quote, I have your cat, but again, he received no response. He returned to his car with Sibylla and dropped her at Alex's parents' house. Then after this, Stephen returned home around 2 a.m. on January 4th, and then later that morning was summoned back to the area by investigators to be interviewed. Stephen remembers their last interaction as positive just a few days prior, and that Alex had been looking forward to finishing up his degree, and he also wanted to write more music. Some sources claimed that Alex's family dog, Sid, had been left by the couple in a graveyard before the hike. 
The graveyard was one that Stephen claimed that he and Alex had frequented. I guess they kind of enjoyed like the tranquility of it and having picnics there, which I mean, I like to do that too. So I guess it's not that weird. Um, but Alex's dad disputed the claims that this was any sort of ritualistic or sacrificial offering and explained, quote, the cat was Alex's cat. The cat was never harmed. Alex's friend Stephen agreed, saying, quote, he didn't want to harm animals. And even added that Alex had adopted a plant-based diet to avoid eating meat because he loved animals so much. But what's strange is like, why, then why is the cat there? I mean, I it's, don't know. It's at the why top are the candles of, there? Like, it, none of it makes sense. Right. The cat's at the top of a mountain. Yeah. It's, it's super weird. And also in its carrier. So it's like, you know, it would make more sense if like your dog is there wandering around with its leash on. Like you went on a, a hike with your dog. People do that all the time. Right. Why would you bring your cat in a carrier on a hike? It's, it doesn't make sense. So the Stevens family dog, Sid, was also found safe and was returned to them. And Alex had apparently asked to take the dog for a walk on the afternoon that he went for the hike. In one interview that he granted, Jay, his dad, said that Sid was sitting happily at his feet and that he had not been harmed or endangered. But if you can imagine it, this was not the strangest or most shocking detail of the case. Because on December 28th, 2016, so one week before his death, Alex had named Megan the beneficiary of his investment account, an account which contained $188,003.98. And I mean, I hate to keep using these words like strange and weird and bizarre, but There's it's not like that many synonyms. What what else can you say about this case? Yeah, I mean, it's crazy. Why would he do that if they were just good friends or even if they were casual boyfriend girlfriend? It's let's let's keep going. So yeah, let's let's talk about this investment account. So on December 28th, 2016, exactly 1 week before his death, Alex closed an investment account with Stiefel, an investment banking company worth over $30 billion. The entirety of his funds, which again was $188,003.98, was transferred to Edward Jones, which is another financial services company. But why he chose to move all this money is pretty unclear. But when he did, he named Megan Schaefer the sole beneficiary, meaning that if and when Alex died, the money would be left to her. One of the strangest details of this already flabbergasting case is that this was barely discussed in the courtroom as a potential motive. While it seemed pretty obvious that the money provided a clear motive for Megan, it didn't have any bearing on her sentencing. Jay was able to step in on his son's behalf and stop the transfer, requesting that the court issue a restraining order for this account. And also, the Stevens family hired lawyers to aid in the fight for the money to stay in the family where it belonged. Now, Megan and her family, meanwhile, declined to grant interviews or comment on the case. Megan's lawyer simply said, quote, Schaefer and her family are distressed over the situation, and that it was, quote, very upsetting. Meanwhile, Alex's family was fielding speculation that Alex had been involved in illegal operations in order to gain this money. But Jay disputed these claims, telling one reporter, quote, Money was given to Alex over time. He did some investing on his own. He was a confident lad. It's straight, law-abiding money. 
Jay explained that Alex's great aunt had set aside some money in a trust for him and his sister Tristan before she passed away, which could explain where, you know, a part of this uh, money had come from. So after his great aunt did pass away and the twins turned 18, the money was theirs at that point. But Jay explained that Alex was responsible about it, saving it and investing it instead of just blowing it like many other, you know, teenagers may have done. Or just young people, yeah, before you really know sure. what to do with money. But um, by March of 2017, Alex's death was officially ruled a homicide. So about a couple months later, they're already thinking that this is a homicide. Not already thinking because it's pretty fucking obvious. But, pretty clear, yeah. But within two months, that ruling was made. So it took months, but there were finally charges filed against Megan Schaefer on September 12th, 2017, which was the day that she turned 21, actually. On September 14th, she was arrested and charged with second-degree murder, as well as assisting to commit or attempt to commit suicide and manslaughter. She posted bail, which was set at $100,000, and it was put up by her parents, and went home to await trial. The case moved swiftly, and by March of 2018, so within a, about a little over a year of his death, she was in court to fight for her alleged innocence. The state's attorney, speaking on behalf of Alex Stevens, said this of Megan, quote, She chose to tell lies. This is not a suicide. Megan's attorney responded with, quote, Use your common sense. Reserve your judgment. Her lawyer also accused Alex of drug use, by the way. Now, Alex's friend Steven admitted that he had combined LSD and cough syrup in the past, leading him to have a hallucinogenic episode. Steven claimed, quote, he went through phases but was improving. According to Steven, Alex was, quote, pretty much clean of drug use and even alcohol at the time of his death. In her trial, Megan claimed that the initial conflicting statements that she gave to the paramedic on her journey to the hospital shouldn't be held against her as she had been in a state of, sh of shock and she was still trying to process the sequence of events. Now that I do agree with in a way, like if she was suffering from hypothermia, she had just gone through like this insane, insane experience of being in the woods and wandering around for 12 hours while she's freezing to death. Sure. I do get that, but... We know that she was interviewed over the next three days and her story changed even then. So how do you explain that? I would also be really interested to know if she was ever tr uh, like tested at the hospital for certain types of drugs in her system. I would like to know that as well. Yeah. So her lawyers argued that if her statements were to be admissible in court, she should have been read her Miranda rights. When Megan arrived at the hospital, you know, when she was originally admitted. She was told her family was there waiting to see her, but that she would have to give a statement to police first. She claimed she was again not given the option to have legal counsel present or read her Miranda rights. But ultimately, this did not place enough doubt in the minds of the judges and jury. And on July 25th, 2018, Megan was convicted. After deliberating for just four hours, the jury found her guilty of all three charges leveled against her and the death of Alexander Stevens. The judge called her behavior, quote, heinous and vicious. Shocked, Megan was seen crying and shaking her head. She was observed in court as stoic and emotionless throughout the trial until her verdict was finally read. 
The relief among Alex's friends and family, however, was palpable. The Stevenses sat in the front row holding hands and even hugged the homicide detective when the verdict was finally read. His twin, Tristan, addressed the court bluntly, saying, quote, Alex was brutally murdered. His head was nearly severed from his body. She talked of how they were best friends and spoke every day, even when they had moved out of their parents' house. She explained that their father, Jay, had been diagnosed with stage four cancer and that Alex was her biggest support system and had been there for both her and her mother to lean on. She said, quote, I miss him so much. I'll never forget him. And my pain will be with me until I die. I mean, yeah, having a twin too is like, it's such a special bond. Obviously having a sibling or a loved one, it, it's just as strong. But like having a twin, there's just something special about that. Like you're connected since birth. Like I can't yeah. imagine what that would feel like losing your twin. Absolutely. It'd be like losing your other half. Yeah. Like my twin is, is my other half. So Alex's mom, Janet, also read a victim impact statement explaining how much her son's death had affected her life including anxiety, depression, and trouble sleeping, ultimately leading her to early retirement. She said sadly, quote, nothing, absolutely nothing can prepare you for the death of a child. While obviously very heartbroken at how quickly this dark turn of events took place, the Stevens family was very thankful to law enforcement for maintaining their pursuit of justice. It would have been easy for a case like this to kind of slip through the cracks, given that, you know, the only person who really knew what had happened that night was now dead. So Jay said, thankfully, that the officers were, quote, so kind and comforting throughout the whole proceeding. But he also added that the verdict didn't necessarily bring them any comfort, saying, quote, we don't have joy. It's so sad. Many came to Alex's defense posthumously, claiming there was no way that he had anything to do with his own death. Janet remembered her son fondly as having a, quote, white knight personality, saying, quote, Alex went out of his way to help others. Alex's grandma said, quote, I'm feeling wonderful that we've gotten justice, but I feel bad for that little girl. Was it worth taking a life, taking Alex from us? And his twin sister, uh, Tristan, you know, agreed with this, saying that she was glad that they found justice for him. But basically in the trial, Megan's lawyers kind of used these tactics, claiming that Alex had been abusive to her and that she was scared of Alex. Now, there's no evidence that this was true. And really, like everything else in this case, it was just Megan's word against Alex's, who was no longer able to speak for himself. So this is what Tristan said about Megan claiming that Alex was abusive. She said, quote, a lot of things were said in there just to get her off. Megan made it up in here just to make him look awful. Anyone who knew him was disgusted by that. He was a wonderful person. Yeah, I mean, it seems like that would be the only defense that they could really take in that scenario because... Yeah, but it's... It, the thing is, though, is I feel like it's a risky move to make anyway because... She said that they fell off the cliff and then she said that she helped him commit suicide. So now you saying that he was abusive to you is more so putting you in the position of I killed him because he was abusive to me and I was defending myself. That's not what you said happened. So now you're just changing the story even more, which makes it hard for us to believe anything you say. Yeah, and I believe that they used this angle because of the whole uh, the part where she basically said that 
her, like Alex grabbed her hand and the knife and like forced her to cut his own throat, which may come off as like him forcing her to do something. So therefore they're like running with this. Oh, well maybe he was abusive to her and was forcing her to do these things. Yeah. It's just, it's obviously if that's true, it's not okay, but it just, it's hard to know if that is true because there's so many different stories flying around from Megan and from Megan's lawyers. And actually, um, one of Alex's ex-girlfriends spoke out and agreed with Tristan saying, quote, Alex did not have a mean bone in his body. Megan's family was present in the courtroom at the time as well, at the time that she was found guilty, but declined to comment and have not granted interviews. Megan was sentenced to 30 years in prison in Cumberland, Maryland, where she remains today. In 2019, Megan appealed her case, but her conviction was upheld. This case just leaves us with an infuriating lack of answers. And obviously many armchair detectives believe that Megan is in fact innocent and that she was simply brought into whatever kind of like spiritual journey that Alex had been partaking in. But the truth is that maybe we will never fully know. But to me, really, one of the biggest pieces of this case is the whole, you know, beneficiary of his investment account. And it, it really is just, um, uh, it's very reminiscent of when a husband kills his wife or a wife kills her husband or whatever, uh, when there is a big life insurance policy. It's yeah, very similar to that. There's a motive there. Or yeah. It seems there is. It seems like that would be a motive to possibly kill somebody. But obviously there's a lot that happened that night, knowing how Megan was found with hypothermia and she had all these injuries. Like, did she also fall off the cliff? Did they fall off together? Did they jump? Did she try to, you know, slice his throat and then push him and she fell too? Or she had to be, or she had to injure herself to make her point of the story seem accurate. Like, what the fuck happened? Yeah, that's, that, I mean, it seems like, again, there's just not a lot of answers. Was she... I mean, was the fall bad enough to where she was trying to, quote, put him out of his misery? Uh, the, the other thing that I wanted to go back to is the fact that there was motor oil found all over the car. Thank you. Because was their intention to light this car on fire? Was she trying to burn evidence? Yeah. Or did did he was he the one that poured the oil on the car before they went up the mountain? I, I mean, I don't know. You but know, why would he pour motor oil on his own car and then there was some found on his backpack? Like, what is that about? Because right. usually... Because you're not going to go back after you f have fallen off a cliff or if you decided to actually take your life and, and you know, jump off a cliff, you're not going to go back to light your car on fire because you're, you're, you're dead. Right. Right, but then it's also like the there was a bottle of motor oil found on top of his car and next to his backpack. So it's like, why are the bottles left there? They're not set on fire. Why was the cat there? What were the candles for? Was like, this a suicide pact? I just, I don't know why it would be, you know, like. Well, I just, I mean, I'm just thinking possibly because of the candles and the fact that their possessions were on the mountain. But, but again, this this is all pure speculation and we just don't know and that's the strangest thing about this case is that megan really didn't relay all that much information she she obviously backed herself up well that was the problem is she said she didn't really remember much yeah did she not remember much because she had experienced horrific trauma herself 
physically and mentally? Or is she saying that because she doesn't want to tell the truth? Yeah, I mean, it's just all around, it's just incredibly bizarre. I agree. So sadly, in 2020, Alex's dad, Jay, succumbed to his illness, and the Stevens family was left without both father and son. At Alex's trial, Jay had said, quote, I never dreamed I would outlive my son. If I could change places with him, I would. We lost so much when we lost Alex. Thank you so much, everybody, for listening to this episode of Going West. Yes, thank you guys so much for listening to this episode. And on Friday, we'll have an all-new case for you guys to dive into. Please let us know what you think about this case. Yeah, Obviously, I, I really want to know what you guys think. I feel like you and I are a little biased, but I think it's because this is what you and I believe, but also because she was convicted. So it's not totally wrong for us to do that and to be on that side. But I, I really would love to think or love to know if you guys think that she is guilty or if she's innocent and what could have happened. I mean, like Heath said, a lot of it is pure speculation because there's so many missing pieces to the puzzle, but it's still interesting to talk about and just just sad that this had to happen at all. Just these two young people, one who lost their life, one who kind of lost their life in another way, who's in prison for many, many years. Yeah, so where you guys can actually comment on this case is on our social medias. You can hit us up over on Instagram, at Going West Podcast, Twitter, at Going West Pod, and also we have a Facebook discussion group. Yes, please let us know, share the story, uh, share our posts, whatever you guys want to do, and thank you in advance for doing so and for listening. Oh, and quickly, I just wanted to mention that if you do want to see photos from this case and every other case that we've ever covered, uh, you can find those on any of our socials. So go take a look. All right, guys. So for everybody out there in the world, don't be a stranger. 